Well, Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show. Today we have way more than a triple stack. I guess we have a quadruple or quintuple stack or something, something like that. Anyway, it's 2018. Unfortunately, today, Reverend Billy Graham passed away. And so I thought I would bring us the audio from the television show of the Jack Benny show that Billy Graham had been on 55 years ago this year. Uh, it was Jack's first program of the year, of 19, the 1963-64 season. And so I, I'm not presenting the entire episode. I'm just presenting the part that uh, Billy Graham is on all the way up till the end of the episode because it all has to do with Billy Graham. And uh, it's just neat that Jack could have such a wide diversity of folks on his program like Billy Graham. Uh, if you would like to watch the entire episode, it is on the Jack Benny program, The Lost Episodes, which is available through Shout Factory and over at Amazon. I think it's selling for around $20. Definitely worthwhile. A lot of great Benny shows that aren't available any other way than through that set. Uh, the, it gets hacked sometimes or knocked for its uh, video quality. But they're all solid. You can watch all the episodes. They're not pristine or anything, but they are definitely watchable, certainly listenable. You can definitely hear the quality in this episode clip I'm going to play for you. Uh, if you want to just get that one episode, if you have Amazon Instant Video, it's available there and you can pay $2, $1.99 to get just the Billy Graham episode if you just want to watch that. A uh, great way to check out the series, too, to see if you want to buy the whole thing. Uh, like I say, or you can get it on DVD, the entire set. Uh, definitely well worth the money any which way. Now, the other thing, speaking of money, <laughs> is uh, our good friend Rob, OTR Rob that does a lot of my intros, he, um, his tablet is starting to give out and he was saying he needed to buy a computer so that he could do the show and do his intros and I and put his shows together and things and I told him you know he, on a, he's doesn't have the greatest income in the world and I, I just said you know you shouldn't have to put out the money for that we as fans of the show should have to figure out a way to cover that for your try so if any folks would like to give donations to try and get Rob a new computer, he's not, he was trying to tell me he wanted to buy a $100 computer. And I'm telling him, no, you need to buy about a $300 computer to do the audio work that you need to do. It doesn't have to be a great computer, but it needs to be decent. So uh, he, he's going to get a laptop um, is what we're pushing for him to get. So, let's have a fundraiser to see how much money we can raise for Rob's computer. I told him I would be surprised, wouldn't be surprised if we were raised anywhere from like $6 to, you know, $1,000. Who knows? I have no idea how much people would be willing to donate. But if you're willing to donate, if you can just go to PayPal and donate through PayPal, you can go to my site, buckbenny.com. There's a button there that lets you put any amount you want. 
And you can just send me an email at buckbennyotr at gmail.com to tell me how much you're donating and that it's to help Rob get a computer to replace his other computer so he can do more shows for us. Um, if you just want to send check or something or money order or something, you can also email me at buckbennyotr at gmail.com to tell me that you'd like to be able to do that and then I'll send you my address and you can send that in and then uh, we'll see what kind of a laptop we can get for Rob. Um, tonight, besides the, the uh, Billy Graham presentation, we're also going to have the Beavers come on and impersonate Benny, which is one of his great programs, is when the Beavers come on and impersonate the whole cast of the Benny program, uh, an all-time classic, and one that we have the rehearsal show, and the rehearsal show for that is one of the best rehearsals that we have in that you can hear Jack working with all the kids, uh, Mary's there working with them. It's just really neat to hear Jack's interactions and just what a wonderful person he is and it comes across in that um, rehearsal. So at the end of the night tonight is our last program. We'll tag on that rehearsal for the 1953 program that you're going to hear right after the Billy Graham presentation. Um, after that, we have uh, over on Phil's show, a very truncated Phil's show, because he's doing it. It's a special on the, for the American Red Cross program, and it's delightful to hear that his work on that, which just happened to fall on this same night. So uh, just an overall interesting night of shows for you. And then, of course, our 1942, uh, 1943 episode is about a monument for Jack in Chicago. So just a bunch of great shows, and we'll get right into it. I hope you enjoy the whole thing. And um, just remember um, Reverend Billy Graham and... Uh, all of the things that he did and the people he met and all the presidents he worked with. I mean, what an amazing career. Anyway, without further ado, let's get on with the shows. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to introduce my guest. You know, only twice in my long career in radio and television have I been hesitant about asking someone to appear on my program. I'll never forget, you know, the first time that I asked the other one was President Harry Truman. And I was so nervous about asking him to be on my show, because I'll never forget how concerned I was whether I should do this or not. After all, a president, you know, on a comedy show. Well, anyway, I called up Mr. Truman. After all, we've been friends, you know, for many, many years. And really, when I say a wreck, I was. You know, because I wasn't sure whether he turned me down or anything. So when I got him on the phone, I said to him, Mr. Truman, and I was shaking, literally. I said, Mr. Truman, would you be a guest on my television show? And he says, why, certainly, Jack, I'd love it. And I was so nervous, I said, why not? <laughs> Well, anyway, I found myself in that same position with the guest I have this evening. 
a man of such stature in his chosen field that I was apprehensive about asking him. But he was gracious enough to accept my invitation. And here he is, the Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. Dr. Graham, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your accepting my invitation to be on my show. It's really a great honor. Well, thank you, Jack, and I wish you'd call me Billy. Everybody else does. All right, then I will, too. You know, Jack, uh, a lot of people have asked me already why I accepted an invitation on your show, and uh, many people are also curious as to why you invited me on a comedy show. I've never been on a comedy show before. Why did you invite me? Well, Billy, there are many reasons, and I'm sure your appearance and the things that you stand for certainly won't hurt my musicians. <laughs> but Billy, now I have to ask you, why did you accept my invitation? Well, uh, Jack, I've always admired you. You've always had a clean, uh, wholesome show, and it's a great privilege for me to be here. But I heard you tell the audience a moment ago that you were nervous when you asked Mr. Truman. That's true, Billy, and I, really, I was a wreck, and I was a wreck when I called you. But I, I don't think you noticed it, did you? Oh, yes, I did. Huh. You know, right off the reel, you call me Billy Sunday. <laughs> I did? Yes, and not only that, but uh, after the phone conversation, you reversed the charges. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes I do that. On a local call? <laughs> well, that's the only kind I make, you know. Long distance, I send postcards. Anyway, Billy, I'm really flattered that you're here on the same, same stage with me. I really am. Well, thank you, Jack, and uh, it's a great privilege for me to be here. You've done everything to make it comfortable. You know, I was nervous before I came on here, but you've put me right at ease. And incidentally, I want to thank you for inviting me to hear you play the violin at the Hollywood Bowl tomorrow night. Oh, well, if you're able to come, I'll know, I know you'll enjoy it. Though. Well, I'm sure I would, uh, Jack. Uh, you know, I've always considered you to be a great violinist. You know, he's not allowed to lie. <laughs> you know, Billy, it just occurred to me, you may not realize this, but we almost met on one other occasion. When was that? Well, in 1954, when you were having one of your crusades in London, I was there at the same time playing at the Palladium Theater. Oh, I remember reading about that in the newspapers, and uh, you were terrific. You, you were having tremendous crowds. Well, I thought I was. But when I was there, I drew about, say, 30,000 people. And then I realized how insignificant that was when during that same week, a half a million people came to see you. Imagine 500,000 people in one week. I, I certainly can't take much credit for that because look at the writers I have. <laughs>
writers? Yes, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't get over it, a half a million people. You know, Billy, you've been doing such wonderful work for such a long time. I was just wondering, how old are you? I'm 44, Jack. 44. Well, I must say you don't look it. And Billy, for years, you know, I've been kidding about being 39, you know, but I don't mind telling you I'm, I'm really 47. <laughs> 47? Yes. Jack, I'd suggest you come to another one of our crusades. <laughs> what? Well, we can't do much for your mathematics, but perhaps we could ease your conscience a little. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but, uh, Jack, you couldn't possibly fool me because I've been following your career for years. When I was a boy back on the farm in North Carolina, we used to listen to you on the radio. You did? Yes, sir. And uh, I must say I've always admired your work. But there's one thing that I'm curious about. What is it? Well, uh, if you don't mind me asking... No, you... no, not at all. What is it? Of course not. Uh, I've never been, as I said a moment ago, on a comedy show before, and I would like to ask a comedian this question. Yes. Why is it that you comedians always use insults in order to get laughs? <laughs> insults? Yes, this, this fine fellow you have on your show, uh, Dennis Day, for example, you called him a stupid kid. Now, that seems unnecessarily rough to me. I don't know what else to call him. <laughs> but, Billy, I have to do things like that to get laughs, you know? You know, I can't wait till the eighth show every year. Jack, I'm sure that there are other areas of humor without your always referring to Don Wilson's obesity. <laughs> well, Billy, if you want the kind of a comedy show where there are no insults and everyone is nice to each other, we'll give it a try. I don't think it'll work. But if you'll sit right over there, we'll try it. Right. I mean, your suggestions are always good. Maybe we can do a nice, sweet show. <laughs> well, I'll you know. listen. All right, now you sit right over here. Could I have a chair for Dr. Ray, please? Thank you. Now. I'm going to try and do what you said, because you said we shouldn't insult each other, we shouldn't be mean, we should be nice. All right, I'll do the best I can with that. Fellas, you know the idea now, don't you? Nice show, sweet. Uh, uh, let's start the show again. Uh, give me my theme song, please. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to my opening show of the new season. I can't tell you how much I enjoy this. Oh, Fr Ramley, Sammy, Wayne, this is my opening show. Why are you late? Sorry, Mr. Benny, but on the way to the studio, we were thirsty, and we stopped to have a tall glass of orange juice. <laughs> Pineapple juice. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Orange juice? Pine that's funny. I thought you all drank milk. Only at parties to be sociable. <laughs> well, now, why don't you go and join and uh, your other distinguished colleagues? 
Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, getting on with the show, I'd like to bring out my announcer, a man without whom I could not be where I am today, Mr. Don Wilson. Don, are you all ready for another season? Ah, uh, you bet I am, Jack. Well, good. And, Don, I hope you don't mind my commenting, but I just can't get over how thin you've got. <laughs> You're so un-obese. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jack, and I also want to thank you for that handsome bonus you gave me. But, after all, that's typical of your generous nature. <laughs> And certainly there's no one who's more unparsimonious. <laughs> well, now, only you can be nice enough to say things like that. And it's been pleasant talking to you. Not funny, but pleasant. <laughs> and, now, and now, getting on with the show, I'd like to introduce my singing star, a brilliant young man with a golden voice. Dennis Day. Dennis, it's nice to see you again. Thank you, Mr. Benny. Now, how about telling our audience how you spent your summer vacation? Well, rather than just waste my time having fun, I decided it'd be much better to enrich my mind, so I went to UCLA. <laughs> oh, you went to UCLA? Yeah? Well, that's wonderful, Dennis. And what did you study there? Well, I decided to take higher mathematics, nuclear physics, and a critical evaluation of Hootenanny. <laughs> Spoil the whole idea. <laughs> well, Dennis, is that what you did this summer? Yes. <laughs> With your intellectual capacity, you should be able to absorb all three. Now, Dennis, I'd love to hear more about your studies, but now it's time... Oh. time. Oh. Oh. Hold it. Just a minute. Rochester, what are you doing out here? I had to come out. I was down in your dressing room watching the show, and I think something went wrong with the television set. <laughs> what do you mean? Don Wilson got thin, Dennis Day got smart, and your honest boys drink milk. <laughs> oh, well, Rochester, there's a, nothing wrong with your television set. We were just trying a new formula where everybody is quiet and sweet. Quiet and sweet? Yes. Boys, you better get loud and funny. Your swimming pool isn't paid for yet. <laughs> well, don't worry about it, Rasha. Just go back to your dressing room. Thank you. And now... I, I think maybe I was wrong. I apologize. I'm sorry. Maybe that wasn't the right formula after all. No, no, Billy. Don't be sorry, because after all, we did get a lot of laughs, didn't we? Even well, your way. Yes, I think so. <laughs> but, Jack, I want to tell you, really, how wonderful it has been to be on your show. It's been well, a, a great treat for me. Thank you, Billy. But I wouldn't want you to leave without giving us all the benefit of just a few inspirational words. Well, this thank you, Jack. This is very important. Well, thank you, Jack. I'll be glad Ladies to... and gentlemen, Dr. Graham. I think all of us recognize that we're living in one of the most critical periods in the history of the world. 
There's a great deal of hate and prejudice and division and lawlessness around the world, and people are asking, is there a way out? Is there a way to solve our problems? Is there a formula? I think King Solomon of ancient Israel gave it to us many years ago when he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and heal their land. I don't think there's ever been a greater formula for world peace and the solving of our problems than that given to us by King Solomon long ago. Good night and God bless you, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen, and I certainly want to thank my guest, Dr. Billy Graham. I really feel honored having had him on the show. I'll be with you again next week for Jell-O when my guest star will be Robert Goulet. Now I'm looking forward to a very fine season because some of my guests besides Robert Goulet will be Carol Burnett in another new show, Bobby Darren, George Burns, Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Stewart in another new show, uh, Clint Walker, Ed Sullivan, Johnny Carson, Peter Paul, and Mary. We're going to try to do the best job we can with new guest stars because I feel that throughout the years I've had such a loyal audience. Get it over with. They want to watch the next show. Many program has been brought to you by the Careful Drivers, Careful Buyers Car Insurance Company, State Farm Insurance. This is Don Wilson saying good night. This program is pre-recorded. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1952-1953 season. Tonight's episode's a fun one. Uh, features the beavers. If you're a beaver lover, you'll love this episode. They kind of take over Jack's show for a portion of the show, which is um, a delight and uh, really do a nice job. Some folks uh, have emailed me or said that when I uh, use some of my middle schoolers in my podcasting club to do uh, to present a recreation of the missing Jack Benny show that we presented uh, a while back. Uh, that it reminded them of when the Beavers took over the show, so I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, I think it's interesting that, that uh, this, as far as I know, Jack's the first person that I can remember uh, using um, the concept of kind of the Boy Scouts and twisting it around to be the, the Beavers. Um, but people have done that a lot over the years, and I don't know if it started with Jack or not, but of course, you seldom see a television show or movie that actually has Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or Campfire Girls or Brownies. They have uh, made up um, groups that are, of course, more humorous. They take they take and, and can twist them a little bit around uh, you end up with the sunshine girls or something, and and where you have when they go to meetings, they wear flowers, you know, <laughs> outfits and so forth, and go extremes, just like um, with uh, 
so many shows, any of the Disney shows, um, when they're going to, one of the kids on a teen Disney show is going to work at uh, the mall, uh, they're going to always be at a, a store where they have to dress up as pirates or where they have to dress up as... Um, I just watched one the other day with my kids, um, where the, where the, uh, they get a job, uh, at a grocery store, but the grocery store is like, uh, Patriots of 1776 or something, and so they, the, uh, all the box boys have to wear, um, the, the tri-corner hats and things like they did back in the Revolutionary War times to make it. Uh, more humorous, um, uh, even like it's, I think, uh, fast times at Ridgemont high back in the eighties. I remember the, uh, job that the, the kid on that show had was working at a fast food restaurant where they all dressed up like pirates. And, and he had a, I think a fake parrot on his, on his, um, his uniform for work. Um, so, so it's just kind of, uh, I've always found it kind of interesting that, that uh, it, I guess it's just an easy laugh to kind of go for, but in Jack's case, what I like is he he goes for the easy laugh a little bit about having them be the Beverly Hill Beavers and things, but uh, that's not the main thing. The main thing is uh, his uh, interaction with the group, and that's what makes it fun. And in this case, the group acting like the various characters on the show. So there's like a deeper level that you get instead of just the straight forward humor that you get in uh, so many of the presentations that you get of, of youth groups later on in various comedies and situation comedies and, and uh, movies and so forth. Anyway, that's just kind of interesting topic I've never heard anybody really talk about before. Um, and if you have any thoughts on that, email me at buckbennyotr at gmail.com. Uh... What else? I have another subject I wanted to talk to you about. I think I'll wait until Tuesday's podcast and talk to you about that. So, tune in for Tuesday. I have a big favor to ask of a, of a bunch of folks out there and seeing if you'll follow through for me because I um, something that could greatly impact the podcast and won't cost any of you anything, which is kind of cool. Anyway, I'll leave you with that, and enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on Tuesday night for the next episode in our 1947-1948 season. The Jack Benny Program. Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis A. Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take you back to yesterday. Last night, the members of the Beverly Hills Beavers put on a play at the school auditorium. Of course, Jack Benny, who happens to be the treasurer of the club, was planning to go. We now find Rochester pressing Jack's tuxedo. Press it once and press it twice and press it once again. It's been a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got the pants pressed. 
I better finish pressing the coat. I wonder where Mr. Bennett bought this tuxedo. It should be on the label. Yeah, there it is. The Pep Boys. <laughs> All right, Chester. Have you finished pressing my clothes yet? Yes, boss, but who was the last one you rented this tuxedo to? Why? Every time I lay the coat down, the arms fold. <laughs> Oh, stop. Anyway, you're only going to a school play. Why dress formal? Well, Rochester, the Beavers aren't putting on just a play. They're going to do their version of my radio program. You see, each one of the kids will portray a member of my cast. Oh. And since I'm the inspiration for their show, they may ask me to come up on the stage and make a speech. Gosh, I'll never forget ten years ago when I made that speech at the Academy Awards. Boss, I didn't know you were on the speaker's list. I wasn't, but I just had to get up and tell them what I thought of them. <laughs> Glad I did, too. I'll get it, Rochester. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Am I early? Well, we don't have to be at the school auditorium for a half hour yet. Sit down, Mary. Thanks. You know, just before I left home, I was talking on the phone to Mama. Oh, your mother, eh? Mm-hmm. What did the no-loose-ends-of-Plainfield have to say? <laughs> she told me she read in the paper about your visit with President Eisenhower. That's right, Mary. I did visit the President. Did he show you around the White House? Yes, Mary. He was very nice to me. And, Mary, remember when you saw the White House on television, that big room where the piano was? Uh-huh. There's a putting green there now. <laughs> Oh, help me out with the coat, Rochester. I want to see if it still fits. Thanks. Jack, if you wear that old tuxedo again, I'm not going out with you. It's so old-fashioned now. Old-fashioned? Yes, look how long the coat is. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like the villain in The Drunkard. <laughs> Only when I wear the cape. <laughs> Now, Mary... Jack, I mean it. I wouldn't be seen dead in that tuxedo. Our last customer didn't mind. <laughs> now, cut that out. I'm going to wear this tuxedo, and that settles it. Now, Rochester, I won't be home. There's the phone. I'll get it. Hello? Hi, Jack. This is Bob. Oh. I hate to bother you today, but... Well, I wanted to let you know I'm on jury duty. Jury duty? You're mm -hmm. kidding. No, the first case comes up Wednesday, and it's... May last for weeks. But this is ridiculous. You'll miss my show. Didn't you tell him you worked for me? Yes, I did, Jack. Well, why didn't you tell him it would be a hardship if you had to lose the income from my show? Well, I told him, Jack, but that didn't work either. Why not? Well, they pay more than you do. <laughs> what? Three bucks a day. <laughs> well, that temporary work is always high. <laughs> Bob, I just can't let you miss my show. Well, there's really nothing you can do about it, Jack. Oh, no? What about my contract with you? Well, that's the case that we're trying Wednesday. <laughs> now, look, stop joking, Bob. I need you for the show, so I wish you'd try and make it. Okay. Say, uh, by the way, Jack, did you get that recording that I made with the sportsman? Oh, yes, Bob. It's right here. Well, will you play it? I, I think you might enjoy it. All right, I'll play it right now. So long, Bob. Goodbye. Well, Mary, Bob sent me a record that he made with the Sportsman Quartet. Let's play it. Okay, where is it? Right there by the phonograph. And play it loud, Mary, so I can hear it in the other room while I'm getting dressed. Okay. <laughs> 
sun is shining, oh happy day. No more trouble and no skies are gray. Ever since you said those words to me. You said you love me, I know it's true. My life's complete, dear, for now I have you. Oh, happy days, oh, lucky me. The moon is shining, oh, happy night. Come to me, darling, hold me so tight. I need your loving, really, yes, I do. You love me, I know it's true. My life's complete, dear, for now I have you. Oh, happy day, oh, lucky me. Oh, happy day, happy go lucky Mary, that was very good. It was thoughtful of Bob to get the sportsman to do it with him. Oh, it sure was. Say, Jack, don't you think it's about time we left for the school auditorium? Yes, we haven't got much time. Rochester, get my car out of the garage, will you please? You can't use the car, boss. A nail went through one of the tires. Oh. I told you not to buy such cheap tires. Well, Rochester, the most expensive tire in the world can be punctured by a nail. A fingernail? <laughs> Well, what did you touch it for? <laughs> Always testing. <laughs> now what are we going to do? Well, I've got my car outside. Okay, we'll go in yours. Come on. Bye, Rochester. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> Jack, wasn't that a nice song Bob sang? Yeah. The sun is shining. Oh, happy day. They may cut taxes. I feel so gay. Oh, look, Jack, here comes Dennis on a bicycle. Where? Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, kid. Gee, we were just leaving for the school auditorium. Aren't you going to see the Beverly Hills Beavers put on their play? Oh, sure, but it's such a nice night, I thought I'd ride over on my new bicycle. Oh, is that a new one, Dennis? Yeah, I won it last night on a quiz program. On a quiz program? Gosh, you're really lucky. Yeah. Was it a hard question? Oh, no, it was easy. The man pointed at me and said, would you pay $100 for this bicycle? I said, yes, so I gave him the $100 and he gave me the bicycle. <laughs> Dennis? I almost won a refrigerator, but I didn't have enough money. <laughs> Look, kid, did the master ceremony of this quiz program have a little hammer in his hand? Uh-huh. Dennis, you were at an auction. Certainly. And all those people crowd around were bidding. I know what I'd have done if I'd have had the hammer. Now, come on. We better get to the... <laughs> now, come on. We better get to the school auditorium. Okay. Oh, by the way, Dennis, did you ask your mother if you could go duck hunting with me again next week? Yeah. Dennis, I didn't know you go with Mr. Benny on his hunting trip. Oh, sure. I'm his retriever. You... <laughs> you mean when he shoots, you bring back the duck? No, when he misses, I have to bring back the buckshot. <laughs> All right, all right. Now, Dennis, leave your bicycle here and come with us. Okay. Say, this school auditorium really is packed. But we got pretty good seats, didn't we, Mary? Oh, these are fine. Right in the center, too. Can you see all right, Dennis? No. 
Why'd you ask that man in front of you to take off his hat? It isn't his. What? It's mine. I put it there. <laughs> well, take it off and be quiet. Hey, Mr. Benny. Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Joey. Is everything ready backstage for your show? Uh-huh. Are the kids nervous? Yeah, a little bit. Well, good luck. Thanks, Mr. Benny. And by the way, you'll be happy to know that we're almost sold out of popcorn. Well, good, good. Now, push the lemonade. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. You know, Miss Livingston, tonight we're going to do a takeoff on Mr. Benny's radio show. I know. Say, Joey, did you finally get a fat kid to play Don Wilson? Uh-huh. Good, good. Now, you better hurry or you'll be late. Huh? Well, Mary, it won't be long now before the show starts. Gee, I hope the beavers really do it. Hey, hey, Mary. Mary. Huh? Don't look now, but there's a lady across the aisle who keeps staring at me. I guess she recognizes me. Where? Here she comes. Pardon me, but would you be good enough to give me your autograph? Why, certainly. There you are. Thank you. You were wonderful in the drunkard. <laughs> not to wear that cape. I'll take it off. You know, Mary, this idea of the little kid doing my radio program is really clever, isn't it? Oh, yes, Jack. I think it's the cutest thing that... Oh, the curtain's going up. Yeah, yeah. And look, look, they've even got a kid orchestra. Quiet, here they go. I don't blame 
Mary, Mary, that little girl is a natural-born actress. Yeah, she went right on reading the letter, even though her bloomers were slipping down. <laughs> yeah. No other news, so we're closed now. With love, your loving mother, Mama. You know, Mary, your mother's letters get better all the time. But let's get on with the show. Oh, Bob. Bob Crosby, I'm talking to you. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. I didn't hear you. Didn't hear me? No, I've been rehearsing a band and my ears are still folded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say, Bob, I meant to ask you, did you learn how to pronounce that word yet? I think so. Let me hear you say it. Manischewitz. <laughs> Bob, you don't want to disgrace your wife and children. Say, Jack, what is it, Don? I think this fellow has a telegram for you. Well, what's he waiting for? Oh, boy, boy. Nelson Eddy? <laughs> Never mind. Just give me the message. Here you are. And here's a tip for you. Oh, boy, a nickel. Now I can send my father through college. <laughs> Say, I've had trouble with you before. What's the matter with you? Do you enjoy aggravating me? No, <laughs> He rests the hall and kisses the bride, calls her eyes a groom, and 
hunter the wings before he could bring Clancy Lord. The Lord Clancy, Lord Clancy. Whenever they got his eyes up, Clancy Lord the Boom. Lord Clancy, Lord Clancy. Whenever they got his eyes up, Clancy Lord the Boom. Sure, it was the most beautiful sight you ever did see when Clancy Lord the Boom. I'll get that one. A milky dip. Hey, bud. Bud. <laughs> huh? Come here a minute. Who, me? Yeah. What you doing? I'm getting some candy. What kind? Dip. Uh-uh. <laughs> what? Get a hoisey ball. <laughs> Why a hoisey ball? In this hot weather, nothing runs like chocolate. <laughs> but, but I want a milky dip. Milky Dimp hasn't got a chance. What are you talking about? Milky Dimp not only has chocolate on the outside, but it has cream in the center. That's what'll give you the trouble. What? Cream is hard to handle unless you whip it. And gee, I never thought of that. You really think I should get a Hershey bar? Can't miss. Look at the last performance. <laughs> last performance? Yeah. Coming out of the machine, Hershey was boxed in by Lifesaver, but got through the hole. <laughs> really? And Lifesaver was the flavorite. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm still gonna... Wait a minute. I know what I'll do. I'll get on and joy. Okay, it's your dog. <laughs> Wasn't he cute, Jack? Just like the tout on our show. Yeah. Hurry up, Jack. Get us to finish the song. Okay, Mary. What took you so long, Jack? Oh, I ran into that racetrack tout. Now, where were we? We're supposed to start our sketch. Oh, yes. Well, hold it a second. Kids, before we start, I want to call Rochester. Oh, Mabel, what is it, Gertrude? <laughs> Mr. Benny's line is flashing. I wonder what the snow of Kilimanjaro was now. <laughs> well, I'll answer it and find out. Hello? Hello? Gertrude, will you try to get me Rochester, please? Just a moment, Blue Eyes. 
He wants I could get him my sister. It's a good thing he talked to you. I'd have hung up on him. Why? Jeff took me out once and didn't even kiss me goodnight. I can't understand it. I even brought my lips up close to him. Like this. Well, no wonder he didn't kiss you. What? I've seen a better pucker on a closed laundry bed. <laughs> Yes, Mr. Benny, I'm ringing for you. Mr. Benny's residence, star stage, screen, radio, television, and the man who knows. <laughs> Never mind that, Rochester. Oh, it's you, boss. Yeah. Did the man from the used car lot come around to buy my car? Yes, sir. Well, did you tell him the price was $1,000? Uh-huh, but he told me that the used car market has dropped them in the last few days. Oh, what did he offer you? $7.50. Well, that isn't so bad. You ought to see where the decimal point is. <laughs> now what, Chester? Stop being on his side. You know as well as I do that the car's worth $1,000. Oh, Bob, come now. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, tell the man I'm not selling it anyway, and come down to the studio and pick me up. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Jack, you were on the phone so long you haven't got time to do the play. I don't know. You try to put on a program and something always happens. Play, Bob. Lemonade. Get your lemonade in the lobby. Jack! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen again next week to the Jack Benny Show. Don Wilson speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. with a salute to you and your Red Cross. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Today is a big day in the life of little Alice Harris. She's having her first date and going to her first dance. 
Her mother has bought her a new dress for the occasion, and as we look in, she's just put it on to show her mother how it looks. Mother, mother, look at me. How do I look in my new party dress? Oh, adorable, honey. You look so grown up and... Wait a minute. What have you got on your face? Makeup. I'm wearing lipstick, rouge, mascara, and eyeshadow. Now, you go right upstairs and take all that stuff off. A pretty young girl like you doesn't need makeup. Then why do you wear it? You're young and pretty. <laughs> well, well I, I, I wear it to make me look older. <laughs> you know, otherwise people would go around saying your daddy married a child bride. Now, now, take that goo off before your father sees you. He's inside having breakfast, and if he ever... Alice! Alice! What is it, Phil? There's no more cream for my coffee. Oh. Well, open a bottle of milk. Okay. How do you do, miss? (laughs) I always like... Alice, who's the short burlesque queen? Don't you recognize me, Daddy? Look, lady, don't call me Daddy in front of my <laughs> Trying to get me killed or something? I don't know you. Phil, you never saw her before? No, honey. I'll admit I hung around the stage door once or twice, but I was just selling flowers during the summer layoff. And I... Phil, this is your daughter, Alice. Alice? You mean little Alice? How'd she get hurt? (laughs) Where'd she get all that blood on her cheeks? Father, that's not blood. It's rouge. I put it on to make my face rosy. You'd better take it off, or that ain't going to be the only part of you. (laughs) Honey, don't yell at her. She just thought she'd put some on to wear at the school dance tonight. You see, she's having her first date. Date? With a man? Well, she has a date with a boy her own age. Little Johnny Wilkins. Ten years old. I'll get that. My little Alice going out with a boy. I can't bear the thought of him. Hi, Curly. Oh, it's you. Oh, Elliot, I'm a miserable man. What's wrong? Oh, Alice is going out on a date tonight with a young man. How could she? Just because you're an old man, your wife has no right to step out on you. Elliot. What if she did make a bad bargain? Her place is by your side. I'm talking about my daughter, little Alice. She's going to a dance tonight with a boy. No kidding. Little Alice is going out on a first date, huh? I can't let her go out, Elliot. She's too young. She, she's only ten. How old were you when you first went out? Well, that's different. <laughs> I was 11, but we lived in the hills of Tennessee, and you've got to start young down there. How old was the girl? She was eight, but she was a widow. (laughs) Curly, there's nothing wrong with a girl 10 years old going to a school dance with a boy. Maybe not. If my daughter's going out with this kid, I've got to find out about him. So come on, you're going with me. We're going over to see this Wilkins boy right now. Phil, I wish you wouldn't. He's a lovely boy. I don't care. Hey. Hmm? Hey, this is a nice house this kid lives in. At least he's got a little dough. Curly, what are you going to talk to this kid about? I'm going to lay the law down to him. I'll tell him to bring my daughter home early, treat her like a lady, and stuff like that. Yeah. But supposing the kid don't like your attitude and gets tough. 
That's why I brought you along. <laughs> Between the two of us, we can handle him. Now, I'll ring the bell Before and... you do, how big is he? Four foot six. Ring the bell. <laughs> We're going to look this kid over carefully. If I don't think he's right for my daughter, he's not going to... Yeah? What can I do for you? Well, I'm here to... Where is he? Down there, Curly. Oh, oh. Look, you, I hear you've got a... My kid's going out with this? Oh, i got to get her a pair of glasses. What are you talking about? Are you taking my daughter out tonight? Well, I hadn't planned on it, but if I can get away from my wife, I'd like to. Why? Wait a minute. Who are you? Why, Mr. Wilkins. Oh, 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 oh. You're the kid's father. Your size fool me. You're such a short one. I don't think that's nice. I'm not making fun of your size, you big overgrown ox. Look, don't get gay. I don't want to talk to you. I'm here to see your son. Oh, no, you don't. I've seen your type before, and you're not going to get my boy mixed up in your tire stealing racket. I don't steal tires. What do you steal? Money from radio sponsors. Why? <laughs> Nobody's been able to prove it yet. Uh, what did you two fellas want? I'll tell you what I want. Your son has a date with my daughter tonight, so send your kid out here and tell him that Phil Harris wants to talk to him. Oh, are you Phil Harris? That's right, Shorty. Did you ever hear of me on the radio? Yes, and I can't stand you. <laughs> That voice of yours... Dude. What's the matter with my voice? I don't know. It just makes me nauseous. <laughs> nauseous? Stick to his stomach. Oh, oh. <laughs> Look, buddy, maybe you don't like my show, but I'll bet your wife listens to me. Well, I must admit she does. Yeah. She's been listening to you for years. Well, how does she like me? I don't know. She just sits there with her foot in her mouth and never talks. <laughs> Look, Wilkins, I just came here to see your kids. I'd rather see the kid's mother. Elliot, will you... <laughs> Come to think of it, I'd take a short look at that, too. <laughs> look, stay out of this, will you? Look, are you going to let me see your son or aren't you? No, I'm not. I don't like your attitude. You're not going to see my son, and neither is your daughter. I'm not going to let him take her out tonight. That suits me fine. I wouldn't let my daughter go out with your son. Goodbye. Goodbye. Nasty little man. I guess I pulled him off, didn't I? Oh, yeah. You loused up your daughter's date very nicely. Hey, wait a minute. Gee, I never thought of that. Now she won't be able to go to dance tonight. Oh, Elliot, do you think she'll hate me? I'd recommend it. <laughs> It's little Alice's first date, and you have I to... I know, go... I know, I know. Poor little kid. Gee whiz, I'd give anything if I could find a way out of this. How much does the job pay? <laughs> oh, look, mister, I was... All... Grogan! Yeah, yeah, it's you, Harris, eh? Who's your friend? Oh, will you cut it out? I'm in enough trouble. Yeah, what kind of trouble? Well, my daughter was going to have her first date tonight, and I ruined it. You're a real lunkhead, ain't you? 
Look, if that daughter of yours has her heart set on going out tonight, she's going to go. But the fella she was going to go out with won't take her. Then I'll get her another guy. Thanks a lot, Drogue, but I'd rather you didn't bother Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to get her a date. Every day, somewhere in our country, disaster hits. One time it may be caused by wind and rain. Another time explosion or fire takes a heavy toll in the lives and property. Or maybe it's the rampaging floodwaters running crazy over the countryside. And like Alice and I always say, when nature gets out of hand and starts giving some of us a beating, one thing is always the same. Wherever you find disaster, you'll find people united to fight the raging elements. And where a job's too big for the folks next door, there you'll find the neighbor to all people pitching in to help. Your Red Cross. Yes, sir. Your Red Cross. Ready to help in any way. Emergency meals, clothing, shelter, medical services. Your Red Cross. Supplying blood to save a life. And helping people after the disaster to rebuild and reestablish their lives and homes. Only your support of the Red Cross makes this work possible. And this year, the need is greater than ever. So do what Alice and I are going to do. Give and give generously through your Red Cross. Answer the call. Hey, Curly, it's been two hours since we left Grogan. I'm afraid he couldn't get a date for little Alice. Well... I guess I'm just going to have to go upstairs and tell her that she can't go to the dance. This is going to be the toughest thing that I ever had to... Come in. I just hate to face her and tell her that I got your her... troubles over... are over, Harris. I got your daughter a boyfriend. You did? Oh, Drogan, that's wonderful. Where is he? Right here in his boylap sack. <laughs> he put up a fight, you see. I had to keep him quiet. Oh, naturally. <laughs> How do you do, son? How do you feel? Yeah. I wonder who that could be. Ronald Coleman? Hey! No. Tallulah? Hey! No, her voice is deeper. Maybe it's Johnny Ray. <laughs> Couldn't be him. The bag ain't wet. Hey! Could be the Continental or Liberace or maybe it it's could... me, Julius! I'm the rutabagas every week! <laughs> All right, all right, I'll untie it. All right, there, you're out, kid. <laughs> What's with you guys? Why are you always trying to kill me? Is that bouncy on me, little hide? <laughs> Julius, why are you so excited? Why am I excited, he says. You can't wait to get some mighty hands on me. mistake. I was trying to get a date for my daughter. You got a Shanghai boy's for her? No matter, she's starting to look like you. Look, Julius, I'm not going to stand... Now, don't try to persuade me. Nothing you can say will make me go out with your daughter. Nobody asked you to. The last thing I'd want to see happen to my kid. If she as much as walked out of the door with you, I'd slash my throat. You talk me a 
thought I'll sew it. <laughs> Look, I ain't going to... Don't that... stand there, Max. Stop slashing. Beat him, will you? I don't want you to come... Hey, is that Johnny? I heard... Oh, hello, Juliet. Hello, Alice. Uh, how would you like to go to the dance with me tonight? I'd love to. Wait a minute. You don't mind going out with me, do you, Alice? Well, I did have a date with Johnny, but I'd rather go with you. I think you're the handsomest, sweetest, and most charming boy I've ever seen. Oh, I gotta have her head looked in. <laughs> well, we'd better run along or we'll be late for the dance. Hang on, Alice. Oh, Julius. Well, we'd better hurry. Goodbye, Daddy. Come back here. So long, Pop. Pop! <laughs> oh, what a sickening thought. Take it easy, Curly. By the way, Mr. Lewis, will you do me a favor? What? Keep Mr. Harris lit from the window. We're coming home late tonight. This year, the need for your Red Cross is greater than ever. So give generously. Answer the call. And wear your Red Cross button to remind others to give. Transcribed salute to you and your Red Cross has starred Phil Harris and Alice Fay. The program was made possible through the cooperation of the Advertising Council, the American Federation of Musicians, James C. Petrillo, President, the American Federation of Radio Artists, and the Radio Writers Guild, and was produced by Carl Gruner. Bill Foreman speaking. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. We have a great episode of the Jack Benny Show for you tonight. Hope you're going to enjoy it. It's from the War Years, of course. We are, as we're winding down our War Years and going, getting to our regular season, we'll have a few more War Years shows for you, though. Uh, tonight's is interesting because it is the first appearance we have on the uh, Jack Benny Show of Bob Crosby, who was, of course, is Bing Crosby's brother and a band leader at the time. And he subs in for Phil Harris, who's still over in the Merchant Marines for a few more weeks. And uh, this is interesting mainly because Bob Crosby, later on, uh, a little over a decade down the road, or actually right about a decade down the road anyway, takes over for... Phil Harris on the Jack Benny um, radio show, and he makes a few appearances on Jack Benny's TV show. Um, Phil, at the time, they, the budgets, of course, for radio were being cut back, and Phil's on a different radio station at the time anyway with his own show, and uh, someone decided that... Uh, Maybe it was time to have Jack Benny without Phil Harris. And so for the last couple seasons of the Jack Benny show, um, Bob Crosby would be subbing in for Phil Harris. And, uh, of course, that's, like I say, a decade down the road. At this point, Phil's just out in the Merchant Marines. He's been out there for... He's going to be out there for a total of 16 weeks. He's been out now for probably 13 weeks or 14 weeks, something like that. 
and he uh, was having Abe Lyman sub for him, and Benny Goodman, and a few other folks, and this time it's, uh, like I say, Bob Crosby's turn. Another fun thing about this episode is that they're going to talk about trying to raise money for a statue in Waukegan of Jack Benny. Now, of course, this is all a joke in the episode and so forth, but in real life now, if you go to Waukegan, Illinois, you will see a statue of Jack Benny. So this is life imitating art or something, I guess. Uh, Also, if you're wondering about why aren't we having the new episodes of the Jack Benny show from the fall of, what, 1945 and 1940, that's because his fall season hasn't started yet. Uh, In 1950, he was doing his fall season earlier. He would start the season earlier and end the season earlier, so that's why we get the Jack's fall season already starting up. I started it up last Sunday. So if you haven't listened to last Sunday's podcast, you might want to tune into that because it is the first inaugural show of the 1950-51 season, and a really good episode to boot. We'll have this Sunday the second episode of the 1950-51 season, and in a few weeks we'll have Phil Harris starting up and a lot of other shows. Uh, If you missed Suspense last night, well you didn't miss it, we didn't air it because it's one of the missing episodes. So we had the season opener what, two weeks ago? And then this week is a missing episode. Next week, on next Tuesday, we'll have the third episode of the 1950-51 season of Suspense with our new producer and director, and which is Elliot Lewis. Famous for being Remley on the Phil Harris Show. See how it all connects? It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, I want to thank all you folks who've been donating to the podcast, and for any of you folks out there who haven't donated to the podcast, we, of course, love your donations. It helps us keep the thing running. And all the nice words everybody said about us over on uh, iTunes and the reviews and uh, all the wonderful emails folks have sent me. If you want to send me an email asking for shows or talking about shows or whatever, my email, of course, is buckbenny.com. OTR at gmail.com. So enjoy the show, and we'll see you next time. We delay the Jack Benny program a minute for an important Washington bulletin. The OPA announces its point value ratings upon canned and processed foods under the new ration system, effective March 1st. The schedule is more severe than anticipated. These point ration values will cut canned food consumption to at least one half less than last year's level. Each person gets 48 ration points a month. This ration allows, as one example, purchase of one medium-sized can of peas, a medium can of tomatoes, a large can of peaches, three cans per month. A pound and a quarter can of peas is valued at 16 points. Fruits and fruit juices cost more heavily in ration points. Canned soups, the least. Canned baby foods are rated low at one point, and some at two points. The Grape Nuts Flakes program, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, and starring Jack Benny. With Mary Livingston, Dennis Day, Rochester, yours truly, Don Wilson, and our guest conductor, Bob Crosby and his orchestra.
evening, friends. <laughs> Do you hear what I just called you? Yes, I said friends. But suppose you say friends, eh? How can I be friends with that guy? We haven't even met. Well, one definition of a friend is that someone is on the same side with you. Yes, sir, just look at it. Uh, look it up in the best dictionaries and say, you try one dish of toasted brown, moldy, rich grape nuts flakes and you'll be on my side of the fence. Well, that's what grape nuts flakes does every time. Makes you a friend after one luscious bowlful. In fact, the sweetest nut flavor of grape nuts flakes is a friend from way back because it's the wide awake, moldy, rich flavor of grape nuts in exciting toasted flake form. So make friends with Grape Nuts Flakes tomorrow morning, will you? Just ask for America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal, Grape Nuts Flakes, in the 12-ounce economy-size package. my buddy played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, from Chicago, Illinois, where we are broadcasting for the AAFTTCCS. Uh, <laughs> that stands for the, wait till I get this straight, that stands for the Army Air Forces Technical Training Command, Chicago Schools. We bring you our master of ceremonies, J-E-R-K Benny. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is J-E-R-K talking. Uh, that, uh, that stands for Jack Entertains Rather Comically. Isn't, uh, isn't that what you, isn't that what you had in mind, Don? Well, not exactly, Jack. You see, comically doesn't begin with a K. It does tonight, brother. <laughs> and incidentally, Don, the next time you introduce me as a jerk... You'll be sitting on a bench in the perk looking for work. <laughs> if you get what I murk. Uh, me. Me. For heaven's sakes, Jack, you're always ribbing me. You keep telling everybody I have five chins, and I'm very sensitive about that. Well, then grow a beard or wear a horse collar or something. <laughs> anyway, I never said you had five chins. I merely said that your Adam's apple only comes out on Groundhog Day. <laughs> Anyway, Don, here we are in Chicago and broadcasting for all these boys who are studying to be Army Air Force technicians. I understand they teach soldiers here to become airplane mechanics, panel instrument mechanics, and meteor, um, uh, meteorologists. Uh, meteorologists? What does that mean, Jack? And a great majority of the boys... <laughs> are learning to be radio operators on two- and four-engine bombers. Well, they must know plenty about radios. Oh, they do, Don, they do. And I wish one of them would look at my radio set. It's in terrible shape. So what's the matter with it? Well, every time I tune into Fred Allen's program, the aerial coils up and strikes at me like a rattlesnake. (laughs) 
with this cold I've got, I sound a little like Alan, you know? <laughs> Heaven forbid. <laughs> oh, oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello. Wow. Well, listen to that, Mary. You got, uh... <laughs> You got, you got more applause than I did. Well, why not? I'm the only girl on the program. That isn't it, Mary. Let me tell you something. These fellas here are too busy with their training and their, and their drilling and their studying to, to think about girls. Well, he's back to J-E-R-K again. I mean it. All day long, these boys attend classes and take notes on military science and, 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 and principles of electronics. And in the evening, if they happen to have any time off, they settle down with a good book. Stop laughing, fellas. He's too old to remember. I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, Mary, here we are back in the USA after a whirlwind trip through Canada. By the way, Mary, where are you staying here in Chicago? Oh, I've got a lovely suite at the Ambassador East. The Ambassador East? Uh, very swank, very swank. Uh, where uh, where are you, Don? I'm at the Blackstone Hotel, and I have a beautiful room overlooking Lake Michigan. The Blackstone? Uh, well, very nice. Very nice. Where are you stopping, Jack? Me? I'm at the Stockyards Plaza. <laughs> I, uh, I have a lovely room overlooking Armour and Company. <laughs> On a... On a clear day, you can see me. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Don what happened to you yesterday afternoon. Oh, it was nothing. What was it, Barry? Well, Jack was leaning over a fence at the stockyards looking at a great big fat steer. Uh-huh. And a man from the ration board came along and said... Either stop drooling or I'll tear a coupon out of your book. <laughs> I fooled him, though. I went up to my room, peeked through the curtains, and drooled my head off. Well, hello, Dennis. Say, Mr. Benny, I'm boiling mad, and I'm gonna quit. I said, hello, Dennis. Hello. What do you mean, Dennis, you're gonna quit? What are you so mad about? You hired Bing Crosby tonight, and this program isn't big enough for the both of us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dennis. We haven't got Bing Crosby on the program tonight. We have Bob Crosby, his brother. Brother, he says. Well, he is. I've given you the best years of my life, and you throw me away like an old shoe. <laughs> Who throws away shoes nowadays? <laughs> I'm going to have my shoes fixed up. Where are you going to get buttons for them? <laughs> From Button Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, I, I can go along with a gag. <laughs> now, calm down, Dennis. This is really Bob Crosby, Bing's brother. Here, I'll have you meet him. Fellows, Bob Crosby. Hi, man. Bob, we're certainly glad to have you with us. It's a real pleasure. Well, same here, Mr. Benny. Oh, let's not be formal. You can call me Jack. Well, thanks. And you can call me Bing. I mean, Bob. Oh, ho! Dennis, believe me, this isn't Bing Crosby. 
Look, this fella here is wearing a necktie. And he... He is. And he doesn't smell from horses. As I was saying, Bob, I'm glad to have you here. It was darn nice of you to come all the way from California just to be with us. Oh, don't mention it, Jack. You're my idea of a great comedian, a real performer, and a grand guy. And working with you makes this the happiest moment of my life. Well. Wow, listen to Crosby pour syrup on that old wheat cake. <laughs> Mary, I'm not a wheat cake. Yeah, whoever saw a wheat cake with big blue eyes? Oh, shut up. You'll have to excuse her, Bob. Mary's always making remarks like that, huh? Oh, I think Mary is one of the cleverest and most brilliant performers in radio. And working with her makes this the happiest moment of my life. Hmm. He's 100% baloney, but I'm human. He's a very fine gentleman. Well, let's have your song, Dennis. Let Crosby sing first, then I'll show him up. Dennis, this isn't... Dennis, look, this isn't Bing Crosby. Look, that's a plain blue shirt he's got on. No palm trees or anything. Now, believe me, he's not going to compete with you. Of course not, Dennis. Why, you're the finest young tenor in the country. And working with you makes this the, the happiest, happiest moment, moment of, of my life. life. I know. There we go. All right, Dennis, let's have your song. That Crosby is really a sweet guy. I 
that song before, sung by Dennis Day, and Dennis, that was very, very good. Thank you. Oh, say, Mr. Benny. Yes, kid. Well, I'll probably get slugged for this, but do you mind if I move out of the stockyards plaza? What for? What for, Dennis? We have a lovely room there. Yeah, but between the cows mooing and your snoring, I can't get a wink of sleep. Well, Dennis, if I snore, all you gotta do is reach over and give me a nudge. I tried that last night, and you kissed me. <laughs> Holy smoke. You see, kid, I, I dreamt I was dancing with Hetty Lamar. I, I kissed her, and she slapped my face. So did I. <laughs> hmm. I don't care about myself, but you owe Miss Lamar an apology. All right, I'll send her a note. Huh? Well, speaking of dreams, Jack, I had an amazing one last night. You did, Don, said Benny, with the brains of a wheat cake. <laughs> uh, what uh, was your dream, Don? Well, last night I dreamed that I, Don Wilson, was a toasty brown, sweet as a nut, grape nuts flake. You a flake? Yes. Mm, I was a grape nuts flake. <laughs> Well, and a fella came along and poured me into a big 12-ounce economy-sized package. Gee, this is thrilling. Wilson in a 12-ounce package. That's a hot one. <laughs> this is a dream like when I kissed you, remember? Continue, Don. But, Jack, a little later, a charming American housewife... Came to a grocery store and bought the package I was in. Dennis, take your hand out of there. This is a dream. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. And you should have seen the look of delight on her husband's face the next morning. When he saw a whole bowl full of us grape nuts flakes. Right on the table in front of him. Yes, yes. And then what happened? He poured sugar and cream on me and I woke up. Well, Don... Don, that was certainly a wonderful dream. It certainly was, Mr. Wilson. And being associated with a man who can dream he was a grape nut flake makes this the happiest moment of my life. <laughs> I like this Crosby, he's so sincere <laughs> Now fellas, going from dreams to our schedule for next week, here it is Tomorrow we'll be playing a show for the boys at Fort Sheridan And Tuesday we're going out to Great Lakes Naval Training Station Good old Great Lakes Oh say, uh, Jack, that's where you were stationed during the last war, wasn't it? Was it the last war? I thought you were with Dewey It was the last war <laughs> I was with Dewey Schwartz, a friend of mine. <laughs> 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 and look at... Uh, and, and fellas, incidentally, uh, when I get there, you know, I'm wearing my old sailor suit when I go there Tuesday, the same one they issued me in 1917. But, Mr. Benny, how can you wear the same suit? You must have gained a lot of weight since then. I have. Now it fits me. <laughs> Fellas, speaking of my sailor suit, I had the strangest experience this morning. Almost unbelievable. What was it, Jack? Well, I put my uniform on, and as I was adjusting the necktie, 
A moth stuck his head out of the breast pocket and said, they got you again, eh, bud? <laughs> it was the freshest moth I've ever met. You know? you know, Mr. Benny, somehow I can't picture you as a sailor. Well, I was, Dennis. Why, at Great Lakes, they used to call me Benny the Skipper. And you still walk that way. <laughs> Call me Skipper because I was a real old Saul. I got a gag for that, too. Well, keep it. <laughs> I was a darn good sailor. Tell me, Jack, uh, were you in any battles during the war? Battles? Mm -hmm. Well, yes. I was in the college inn in Chicago one night with four or five of my buddies. And a couple of Marines walked in. And he means it... naval battle. Oh, 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 oh. Well, as a matter of fact, Don, I did get a medal for distinguished service. And now, Bob, I think it's about time for... What medal? And now, Bob, I think it's about time... What distinguished service? Hmm. And now, Bob... Either put up or shut up. That's my motto. <laughs> you keep out of this. Now, Bob, I think it's about time for a band number. You all set? I sure am. Say, by the way, Jack, Great Lakes is near Waukegan, your hometown, isn't it? Yes, just a few miles. Well, man, I'd certainly appreciate it if you'd kind of take me over to Waukegan and show me around... Oh, you'd, uh, like to see the place, eh? Yeah, especially that log cabin where you were born. <laughs> well, it wasn't exactly a log cabin, Bob. As a matter of fact, the uh, house I was born in was torn down not long ago. There, there's just a vacant lot there now. You mean to say that they didn't even put up a monument in your honor? No, no, nothing at all. Well, that's a crime. There should be a monument there, and I'm going to take up a collection to see that it's erected. Oh, no, no, Bob. I, I, I don't want... Really, I don't want anything like that. You deserve it. Now, who'll be the first to contribute $10? <laughs> who'll contribute $10 for a monument to Jack Benny? I will. <laughs> Here you are, Bob. Here's $10 for the Benny Monument Fund. Wheat cakes with ham. What a combination. Mr. Crosby made this suggestion, not me. Well, Bob, let's have your number. Later this evening, I want to get together with you and we'll talk about it. Hold it a minute. Come in. Yes? Well, well, well. Hiya, Jack, old boy. Haven't seen you in 15 years. <laughs> what? I read the Waukegan News Sun as you were broadcasting here. So it says to the little woman, let's run down to Chicago and see my old pal Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, thanks. Uh, who is this fellow, Jack? I don't know. I can't seem to place him. Well, how are things with you, pal? How's everything in Waukegan? Oh, swell, swell. <laughs> the old gags at the regards, Sid Block, Stub Wilbur, Julius Sinekin. Oh, yes, Julius Sinekin. Stinky, we used to call him, huh? Stinky was you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was one of the gang. Yes. Well, well, I gotta be leaving now. Say, Jack, when you get to Waukegan, drop by the house. <laughs> I will, I will. Uh, who is this guy, Jack? Wait a minute, I'll find out. Say, pal, where are you living now? Same old place. So long, Jack. <laughs> Know that fellow. Oh, well, go ahead and play, Bob. I wonder if it's Ollie Imerman. No, no, I know him.
give you anything but love, baby, played by Bob Crosby and his orchestra. And, Bob, that was wonderful. Thanks, Jack. Say, Bob, I was thinking of that idea of yours about erecting something on the site where I was born. Do you think it ought to be a monument or a statue? Well, it, it would be pretty hard to get a statue for ten bucks. Oh, that ten dollars I contributed was only the beginning of the fun. There'll be many more donations. Eh, Mary? Eh, Don? Hmm. Get to me before I scream. Dennis, give Mr. Crosby $10 voluntarily. Now, how about you, Don? Oh, I'd love to contribute, Jack, but unfortunately, I left my money in my other pants. Mary? Me too. <laughs> now, wait a minute, fellas. Are you in on this thing or not? Don't worry, Jack. As chairman of the finance committee, I'll collect all the donations. Good. Jesus, sweet fella. I hope he doesn't take it on the lamb with all the money. What's that, Jack? I said you're a lamb to be collecting all this money. <laughs> well, so much for the financial end of it. Now, fellas, come in. Oh, it's you. Hey, say, Jack, old fella, I hate to bother you again, but I had to bring the wife in to see you. <laughs> Your wife? Yeah. Say hello to Maggie. Oh, hello, Maggie. Hello, Stinky. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, glad to see you again, Maggie. Uh, who is she, Jack? That's the fella's wife. <laughs> but who is he? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Say, pal, when I get to Waukegan, I'd like to give you folks a ring. What's your number? It's right in the phone book. So long, Jack. <laughs> His face was so familiar, and yet I can't place him. His wife knew me, too. She called me Stinky. Oh, well, it'll come to me. Now, getting back to my monument, fellas. Now, who can that be? Hello? Hello, Mr. Penny, this is Rochester. Listen, Rochester, I'm glad you finally got in touch with me. I've been looking for you all week. Boss, knowing that you've been thinking of me makes this the happiest moment of my life. <laughs> Never mind that. Now, where have you been since we got in town Tuesday? Well, boss, as you know, Chicago offers great educational advantages. Uh-huh. So Wednesday, I spent the whole day at the Field Museum of Natural History. Uh-huh. And Thursday, I had a very interesting afternoon at the Adler Planetarium. I see. And what happened Friday? Friday, I met a gal and culture went out the window. <laughs> Another girl. You're always finding a new girl. Well, this is the real thing, boss. I'm in love. You're in love? How do you know? I can't eat, I can't sleep, and I look down with scorn upon a bottle of gin. <laughs> with scorn? Not super scorn, just scorn. <laughs> I know what you mean. Now, Rochester, you don't want to just rush into marriage until you know something about this girl. Has she got money? I think so. I can't find my wallet. <laughs> And wait a minute, I just thought of something else. What are you going to tell your girl in Los Angeles? She'll never find out. Well, suppose she does. Then they'll have to put up a monument for me, too. <laughs> That's what I mean. You better watch out. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? I sent your trunk ahead to St. Joe, Missouri. We're not going to St. Joe for two weeks. Next Sunday, we broadcast from Camp Custer, Michigan. And I'll need a clean shirt at the camp. Just raise your right hand, and they'll give you a whole uniform. 
goodbye. Now that Rochester can't get anything straight. I wonder if he's really in love. I wonder who that couple from Waukegan were. I wonder if Crosby run away with that money. Oh, well, tune in next week, folks, and find out. <laughs> a new idea. Someone has suggested that in addition to meatless meals, what we need are some let's not talk about meat meals. Well, sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Well, it's certainly our job to face any necessary food restrictions cheerfully and as well as intelligently. Well, one way to do both is simple. Plan your meals so as to include the food values you need every day by buying more of those plentiful foods that contain much of the nutriment of meat itself. Foods like whole grain cereals, cereals such as delicious toasty brown grape nuts flakes. They're plentiful, they're thrifty, and they supply many of the food essentials found in meat. Yes, in every bowl full of malty, rich grape nuts flakes and milk, you get proteins, iron, calcium, phosphorus, and two of the important B vitamins niacin and B1. So grape nuts flakes can help you to make up for other food shortages. And they taste so delicious with that sweet as a nut flavor, that toasty crisp texture, you'll decide that grape nuts flakes are the cheerfulest breakfast dish you ever enjoyed. Better make it grape nuts flakes for tomorrow. was the last number of the 21st program of the new Grape Nuts Flake series, and we'll be with you next Sunday night broadcasting from Camp Custer, Michigan. Well, I gotta run along now and be a judge on the Quiz Kids show. Good night, folks. The Jack Lenny program is written by Bill Maher and Ed Ballard. Bob Crosby and his orchestra will soon be seen in Judy Garland's new MGM picture presenting Lily Maher. This program is presented for Army personnel and does not constitute an endorsement of this product by the War Department. Ladies, next time you go shopping for Grape Nuts Flakes, ask your grocer for a package of Grape Nuts Wheat Meal, luscious hot cereal member of the popular Grape Nuts family. Your folks will clamor for hot Grape Nuts Wheat Meal. They'll shout out the praise of that roasted wheat flavor. They'll go for that glorious, full-bodied texture. Hot Grape Nuts Wheat Meal boasts whole grain food values. And, P.S., it cooks in three minutes. This program came to you from Chicago. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Buck Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. Do I have something special for you today? 
I could not believe this when I listened to this episode. I uh, originally wasn't even going to listen to it. I just thought, oh, it's a rehearsal episode. I'll just throw this out there. I told you guys during the uh, fundraiser that uh, I recently found some Jack Benny rehearsal episodes. And uh, <laughs> that that I was going to bring them to you if, you know, you guys donated so much money and everything. And we met all of our goals. You guys did great. Uh, so I'm going to bring you all these rehearsal episodes. But this first one is really special. And it's unlike any rehearsal episode I've ever heard of any show. I actually almost started to weep during this episode because it you hear in interviews, folks talk about Jack and what it was like to work with him and how supportive he was and how helpful he was and how he uh, kind of uh, was a director while he was doing the parts himself. And, and I've never had a chance to actually hear that. And here we have an episode where you get to hear Jack giving direction while he's doing the show, and he's so perfect. It's exactly what you'd want from Jack. It's exactly what you'd expect. He's so kind, and he's so supportive of everybody. Uh, and to hear Mary towards the end, you can hear her kind of helping out in the background and things and have her presence be uh, more than what I would have thought it would be. Uh, in this episode, with it's an episode with the beavers, and with all the little kids there, and them working with them, and even Don trying to fix a problem they're having with one of the kids. You'll you'll see what that is uh, as the episode progresses. But uh, phenomenal! I mean, you couldn't come across a better episode to have the rehearsal available, and the clarity of it is so good. Some of you folks might say um, it's a little weird not having an audience because there is no audience. It's almost like a table read, but it doesn't sound like they're at a table. I mean, they're they're really at uh, the the studio and and getting it ready to go. The episode and running it, running over it, and making sure that everybody knows where to stand and all that sort of thing. But it is so delightful to hear this. I mean, it is such I. I still can't believe this so uh you're gonna get insight in jack benny and his show you're gonna be there while he's actually doing his episode and feel like you're in the room um there i've never heard anything like this so i hope you're, you're really gonna enjoy it uh the other thing i noticed is there's a joke in here that reminded me of kanye west and some of the things he's done at the different award shows recently uh, that Jack talks about doing. That's kind of fun. Uh, other than that, also Harry Shearer is in this episode, of course, who does so many of the voices on The Simpsons. And his part in this episode, when he was a, a child actor, is to he plays both the Frank Nelson character with the yes, and he also plays the race, uh, the race uh, track tout, which is fun to hear him do both those parts. And I couldn't tell it was the same kid until I read that that's what he was doing on the episode. Pretty cool. 
Anyway, we're going to have my original introduction for the regular studio version of the episode. And then, of course, we'll play this rehearsal, the whole rehearsal show. So you'll just have my old intro and then the actual show. It's, it's only about 20 minutes long. And make sure you stay tuned after that because then I'll, I'll bring another intro on to introduce the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show that does exist for uh, this week. What is it, 65 years ago, I guess? Um, anyway, uh, delighted to bring these to you. It's going to be fun bringing you these rehearsal episodes, I can tell you that for sure. Uh, without further ado, here's my old intro, and then you're in for a real treat. Well, hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1952-1953 season. Tonight's episode's a fun one. Uh, features the Beavers. If you're a Beaver lover, you'll love this episode. They kind of take over Jack's show for a portion of the show, which is um, a delight. And uh, really do a nice job. Some folks uh, have emailed me or said that when I... Uh, use some of my middle schoolers in my podcasting club to do uh, to present a recreation of the missing Jack Benny show that we presented uh, a while back uh, that it reminded them of when the Beavers took over the show so I thought that was kind of fun uh, I think it's interesting that, that uh, as far as I know Jack's the first person that I can remember uh, using um the concept of kind of the Boy Scouts and twisting it around to be the, the beavers. Um, but people have done that a lot over the years, and I don't know if it started with Jack or not, but of course, you seldom see a television show or movie that actually has Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or Campfire Girls or Brownies. They have uh, made up... Um, Groups that are, of course, more humorous. They take they take and, and can twist them a little bit around. Uh, you end up with the sunshine girls or something, and and where you have when they go to meetings, they wear flowers, you know, <laughs> outfits and so forth, and go extremes, just like um, with uh, so many shows, any of the Disney shows um, when they're going to. One of the kids on a teen Disney show is going to work at uh, the mall. Uh, they're going to always be at a, a store where they have to dress up as pirates or where they have to dress up as... Um, I just watched one the other day with my kids um, where, they, where they, uh, they get a job uh, at a grocery store, but the grocery store is like... Patriots of 1776 or something, and so they, the uh, all the box boys have to wear um, the the tri-corner hats and things like they did back in the Revolutionary War times to make it uh, more humorous. Um, uh, even like it's, I think, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High back in the 80s. I remember the uh, job that the the kid on that show had was working at a fast food restaurant where they all dressed up like pirates and, and he had a, I think a fake parrot on his, on his, um, his uniform for work. Um, 
so so it's just kind of I've always found it kind of interesting that that uh, it, I guess it's just an easy laugh to kind of go for. But in Jack's case, what I like is he he goes for the easy laugh a little bit about having them be the Beverly Hill Beavers and things, but uh, that's not the main thing. The main thing is uh, his uh, interaction with the group, and that's what makes it fun. And in this case, the group acting like the various characters on the show. So there's like a deeper level that you get instead of just the straight forward humor that you get in uh, so many of the presentations that you get of of youth groups later on in various comedies and situation comedies and and, uh, movies and so forth. Anyway, that's just kind of an interesting topic I've never heard anybody really talk about before. Um, And if you have any thoughts on that, email me at buckbennyotr at gmail.com Uh... What else? I have another subject I wanted to talk to you about. I think I'll wait until Tuesday's podcast and talk to you about that. So, tune in for Tuesday. I have a big favor to ask of a, of a bunch of folks out there and seeing if you'll follow through for me because I um, something that could greatly impact the podcast and won't cost any of you anything, which is kind of cool. Anyway, I'll leave you with that, and enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on Tuesday night for the next episode in our 1947-1948 season. Okay, Don. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, immediately following this radio program, Jack will do another television show. But meanwhile, let's take you back to yesterday. Last night, the members of the Beverly Hills Beavers put on a play at the school auditorium. Of course, Jack Benny, who happens to be the treasurer of the club, was planning to go. We now find Rochester pressing Jack's tuxedo. Press it once and press it twice, then press it once again. It's been a long, long time. Da 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 Well, I got the pants pressed. Now I better finish pressing the coat. I wonder where Mr. Benny bought this tuxedo. It should be on the label. Yeah, there it is. The Pep Boys. Oh, isn't that cute? The boss crossed out Manny and Moe. Oh, Rochester, uh, have, you, have you finished pressing my clothes yet? Uh, yes, boss, but who was the last one you rented this tuxedo to? Why? Every time I lay the coat down, the arms fold. Oh, stop. Anyway, you're, going to a, you're only going to a school play. Why dress formal? Rochester, the Beavers aren't putting on just a play. They're going to do their version of my radio program. You see, each one of the kids will portray a member of my cast. And since I'm the inspiration for their show, they may ask me to come up on the stage and make a speech. Gosh, I'll never forget ten years ago when I made that speech for the Academy Awards. Boss, I didn't know you were on the speaker's list. I wasn't, but I just had to get up and tell them what I thought of them. I'm glad I did, too. I'll get it, Rochester. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Am I early? 
Well, we don't have to be at the school auditorium for a half hour yet. Sit down, Mary. Thanks. You know, just before I left home, I was talking on the phone to Mama. Oh, to your mother, eh? Uh-huh. Well, what did the no-loose ends of Plainfield have to say? <laughs> well, she told me she read in the paper about your visit with President Eisenhower. That's right, Mary. I did visit the president. Did he show you around the White House? Yes, Mary. He was very nice to me. And, Mary, remember when you saw the White House on television, that big room where the piano was? Uh-huh. There's a putting green there now. It's really nice. Here's your tuxedo, boss. Oh, help me on with the coat, Rochester. I want to see if it still fits. Thanks. Jack, if you wear that old tuxedo again, I'm not going out with you. It's so old-fashioned now. Old-fashioned? Yes, look how the coat is. Let me see. Look how long the coat is. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> you look like the villain in The Drunkard. That's it. Only when I wear the cape. Now, Mary... Jack, I mean it. I wouldn't be seen dead in that tuxedo. Our last customer didn't mind. No, I think it's better. Our last customer didn't mind. Our last customer didn't mind. Here, try, try that once, will you, Ralph? Our last customer didn't mind. That's it. Now, cut that out. I'm going to wear this tuxedo, and that settles it. Now, Rochester, I won't be home until... I'll get it. Hello? Hi, Jack. This is Bob. Say, I hate to bother you today, but I, I thought I'd let you know that I'm on jury duty. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, no, no. The first case comes up Wednesday. It may last for weeks. This is ridiculous. You'll miss my show. Didn't you tell him you worked for me? Yes, I did, Jack. Well, why did you tell him it would be a hardship if you had to lose the income from my show? Well, I told him, Jack, but that didn't work either. I think instead of Jack, I told him that, but that didn't work either. I told him that, but that didn't... I told him that, but that didn't work either. Why not? Well, they pay more than you do. What? Three bucks a day. Well, that temporary work is always high. But, Bob, I just can't let you miss my show. Well, there's really nothing you can do about it, Jack. Oh, no? What about my contract with you? Well, that's the case we're trying on Wednesday. Oh, stop joking, Bob. I need you for the show, so I wish you'd try and make it. Well, okay. Say, by the way, Jack, did you get that recording I made with the sportsman? Well, yes, Bob. It's right here. Well, play it. I, I think you might enjoy it. All right. I'll play it right now. So long, Bob. Goodbye. Oh, Mary, Bob sent me a record that he made with the sportsman quartet. Let's play it. Okay. Where is it? Right there by the phonograph. And play it loud, Mary, so I can hear it in the other room while I'm getting dressed. All right. You don't have to do the song. You all know it, don't you? I think this time, though, if, if Charlie was here, I wouldn't mind hearing uh, the... the yeah. All right. Say, Mary, that was very good. It was thoughtful of Bob to get the sportsman to do it with him. It sure was. Say, Jack, don't you think it's about time we left for the school auditorium? Yes, we might be late here. Rochester, get my car out of the garage, will you, please? You can't use a car, boss. The nail went through one of the tires. Oh. I told you not to buy such cheap tires. Rochester, the most expensive tire in the world can be punctured by a nail. A fingernail? Well, what'd you touch it for? <laughs> Always testing. <laughs> now what are we gonna do? I've got my car outside. I think I'd hit a fingernail a little more. A fingernail? Yeah, I'd hit that a little more. I've got my car outside. Okay, we'll go in yours. Come on. Bye, Rochester. Goodbye. Goodbye. Mm, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Jack. Wasn't that a nice song Bob sang? Yeah. The sun is shining, oh happy day. They may cut taxes, I feel so gay. Oh look Jack, here comes Dennis on a bicycle. I love this show. Where? Oh hello Mary, hello Mr. Benny. 
Oh, hello, kid. We were just leaving for the school auditorium. Aren't you going to see the Beverly Hills Beavers put on their play? Oh, sure, but it's such a nice night, I thought I'd ride over on my new bicycle. Oh, is that a new one, Dennis? Yeah, I won it last night on a quiz program. On a quiz program? Gosh, you're really lucky. Yeah. Was it a hard question? Oh, no, it was easy. The man pointed at me and said, would you pay $100 for this bicycle? I said, yes, so I gave him the $100 and he gave me the bicycle. <laughs> Dennis. I almost won a refrigerator, but I didn't have enough money. Look, kid, did the master of ceremonies of the quiz program have a little hammer in his hand? That's right. Dennis. Why, why didn't he hit you over the head with this <laughs> lucky shield? <laughs> Dennis, you were at an auction. Certainly, and all those people crowded around were bidding. Now, come on, we better get to the school auditorium. I give out. By the way, Dennis, did you ask your mother if you could go duck hunting with me again next year? Yeah. Next week? <laughs> Dennis, I didn't know you'd go with Mr. Benny on his hunting trips. Oh, sure, I'm his retriever. You mean when he shoots, you bring back the ducks? No, when he misses, I have to bring back the buckshot. All right, all right. Now, Dennis, leave your bicycle here and come with us. Okay. All right. Now, kids, here's where you... Oh, Stuffy, here's where you come up now. Geez, don't forget that now. Stuffy comes up first, yeah. <laughs> Don, you mark everything, will you, Don? This is where Stuffy comes up first. Say, this school auditorium really is packed. But well, we got pretty good seats, didn't we, Mary? Oh, these are fine. Right in the center. Can you see all right, Dennis? No. <laughs> well, why don't you ask that man in front of you to take off his hat? It isn't his. What? It's mine. I put it there. Well, take it off and be quiet. Hey, Mr. Benny. Mr. Benny. Oh, oh hello, Joey. Is everything ready backstage for your show? Uh-huh. Are the kids nervous? Yeah, a little bit. Well, good luck. Thanks. Mr. Benny... And by the way, you'll be glad oh, to know... Oh, thanks, Mr. Benny. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Benny. And by the way, you'll be happy to know that we're almost sold out of popcorn. Good, good. And, 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 and uh, Stuffy, don't throw away popcorn so much. And by the way, in fact, I wouldn't be too soft on that line. By the way, Mr. By the, and, and, thanks, Mr. Benny. And by the way, you'll be happy to know we're almost sold out of popcorn. You know. Thanks, Mr. Benny. And by the way, you'll be happy to know that we're almost sold out of popcorn. Good, good. Now push the lemonade. Go ahead. Okay. You know, Miss Livingston, tonight we're going to do a takeoff on Mr. Benny's radio show. I know. Say, Joey, did you finally get a fat kid to play Don Wilson? Uh-huh. Good, good. Now you better hurry. You'll be late. Uh, well, Mary, it won't be long now before the show starts. Gee, I hope the beavers really do a hey, good... Hey, hey, Mary. Mary. Huh? Don't look now, but there's a lady across the aisle who keeps staring at me. I guess she recognizes me. Where? Shh, here she comes. Pardon me, but would you be good enough to give me your autograph? Oh, I certainly. There you are. Oh, thank you. You were wonderful in The Drunkard. Hmm. I told you not to wear that cape. I'll take it off. But I have to wear it later on my television show. You know, Mary, this idea of the little kids doing my radio program is really clever, isn't it? Yes, Jack. I think it's the cutest thing. Oh, the curtain's going up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And look, they've even got a kid orchestra. Quiet. Here they go. The Jack Benny program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don now, Wilson. Now, Frank, can you read the first line? Yeah. Just a little more... Uh, the Jack Benny program. Can you make yeah. it a little more, you know, you're dominating the program now, you see? Yeah. We've got a problem here. Just a second, Jack. 
Could we leave the mic high? We're going to get an engineer to help, Don, and he know, he'll know how to set up the mics and everything. Well, either that or have a stand, because you got a problem here, trying to juggle these mics between youngsters. One's this high and the other's this high. Have they got a box to stand We'll get a box. That'll solve a lot of things. Yeah. We'll have to get one of the steps to me. Not for you. You and uh, Beverly are fine, because you're both the same. Um, is he too high for this? Yeah. Well, you see, if we can put it up so, so that it will fit the taller kids, then the, the smaller ones can stand on a box, and they should be about right. Well, they all have to be here, though. The box has to be there, too. Yeah, you right know. around here. You see? That's the trouble. You, st you still have to move the box. Well, watch like the little ones that can walk over to... Uh... No, it's better for the little ones to be working here, just the way they did before. Well, the only problem we've got is really uh, him because the two operators work together, they're the same, and, and oh. Harry. And... But how are we going to keep moving this in and out? How are we going to keep moving that in and out? You can't. I thought, I didn't think you have to, I, I thought the microphones How's that? All right, let's try it from there. Let's try it Just this way. It. All right, let's try it from there. And we'll have to tilt it back. I don't know, we'll have to do something. All right, let's... And what we'll have to do is, it's a taped show, even if we have to stop in the middle of the show and fix these things and tell them to start their routines again or something, if we have that trouble. Now, start it, Frank, with the okay. Jack Benny. Try it there. The Jack Benny Program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring you the star of our show, a man who still has the first dollar he's ever earned. Not because he's cheap, but because you can't spend Confederate money. And here he is, Jack Benny! Thank you, thank you, now, thank you. there'll be applause. Stan, <laughs> you'll wait for yes, the applause. All right, now you go ahead. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, did you think up that introduction all by yourself? <laughs> yes, Jack, and I thought it was very funny. Oh, you did, eh? Yes. <laughs> Don. <laughs> Don. <laughs> blubber boy, take it easy. The last time you shook like that, you got a proposal from Hilo Hattie. And another thing, Don. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hiya, Don. Say, Mary, I called you last night, but your maid sent you out. That's right. I went to the baseball game with Van Johnson. That's nice. Who won? When you're with Van Johnson, who watches the game? Oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Stop ad-libbing. Mary, what's this you dropped on the floor? That? Oh, that's the letter I got from Mama. From your mother, eh? What does the third dimension of Plainfield have to say? <laughs> I'll read it to you. <laughs> now, honey, when, when he says third dimension of Plainfield have to say, they'll probably laugh. So then you'll have to wait before you laugh. You won't. Uh, now, so you don't forget that, huh? From right. your mother, eh? What does the third dimension of Plainfield have to say? <laughs> I'll read it to you. <coughs> My darling daughter, Mary, just a few lines to let you know that we are all well. The weather is nice here now, but as you probably read in the paper last month, we had an awful blizzard. 
and when your father came in from the barn, his milking hand was frozen. Gee. I hope it thaws out soon, as we'd like to get the cow out of the house. I don't blame them. Say, Mary, that little girl is a natural-born actress, isn't she? Yeah, she went right on reading the letter, even though her bloomers were slipping down. Yeah. No other news, so we'll close now with love your loving mother, Mama. You know, Mary, your mother's letters get better all the time. But let's get on with the show. Oh, Bob. Bob Crosby, I'm talking to you. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. I didn't hear you. Didn't hear me? No, I've been rehearsing the band and my ears are still folded. Oh, say, Bob, I meant to ask you. Did you learn how to pronounce that word yet? I think so. Let me hear you say it. Manischewitz. Well, keep trying, Bob. You don't want to disgrace your wife and five children. Say, Jack, what is it, Don? I think this fellow has a telegram for you. Well, what's he waiting for? Oh, boy. Boy. Yes? <laughs> oh, fine. Are you from Western Union? Who do you think I am with this uniform, Nelson Eddy? Never mind. Just give me the message. Here you are. And here's a tip for you. Oh, boy, a nickel. Now I can send my father through college. Say, I've had trouble with you before. What's the matter with you? Do you enjoy aggravating me? Whoa, do I? Hmm, now let's see. I wonder who this telegram is. Jack, you only gave him a nickel tip. That's the cheapest thing I ever heard of. Mary, be quiet, or you'll be known as Nylon Nelly at the May Company. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, we are going to do Hello, a little... Mr. Benny. Hello, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Hey, kid, I'm glad you got here because it's time for your... Wait a minute. Dennis, look at me. Huh? Dennis, this is the first time I ever saw you wearing glasses. Are your eyes bad? No. Then why are you wearing those glasses? My uncle died and left them to me. Your uncle? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I can't see a darn thing with them. Well, for heaven's sakes, kid, if you can't see with them, take them off. Just because somebody leaves you something in a will, you're not compelled to use it. I'm not? No. Anybody want to buy a set of teeth? Now cut that out and take off those glasses. It's time for your song. Okay. While you're singing, I'm going out in the hall and get a candy bar out of the machine. Where's that candy machine? <coughs> oh, here it is. Now, let's see. They've got Hershey's, Circus Peanuts, Lifesavers, Babe Ruth, and Milky Dip. I think I'll get that one, a Milky Dip. Hey, bud. Bud. Huh? Come here a minute. Who, me? Yeah. What you doing? I'm getting some candy. What kind? A Milky Dip. Uh-uh. What? Get a Hershey bar. Why a Hershey bar? In this hot weather, nothing runs like chocolate. But I want a Milky Dip. Milky Dip hasn't got a chance. What are you talking about? Milky Dip not only has chocolate on the outside, but it has cream in the center. That's what'll give you the trouble. What? Cream is hard to handle unless you whip it. Gee, I never thought of that. 
You really think I should get a Hoshi bar? Can't miss. Look at the last performance. Last performance? Yeah. Coming out of the machine, Hoshi was boxed in by Lifesaver, but got through the hole. Really? And Lifesaver was a flavorite. Well, I don't know. I'm still gonna... Wait a minute. I know what I'll do. I'll get Almond Joy. Why Almond Joy? Because in the package there are two bars, and I can eat them as an entry. Okay, it's your doll. Wasn't he cute, Jack? Just uh, like the tot on our show. Yeah. <laughs> what took you so long, Jack? Well, here on page 17. Right. Okay, Mary. What took you so long, Jack? Oh, I ran into that racetrack tout. Now, where were we? We were supposed to start our sketch. Oh, yes. Well, hold a second. Kids, before we start, I want to call Rochester. Oh, Mabel. What is it, Gertrude? Mr. Benny's line is flashing. I wonder what the schmo of Kilimanjaro wants now. Well, I'll answer it and find out. Hello? Hello, Gertrude? Will you try to get me Rochester, please? Just a moment, Blue Eyes. He wants I should get him Rochester. It's a good thing he talked to you. I'd have hung up on him. Why? Jack took me out once and didn't even kiss me goodnight. I can't understand it. I even brought my lips up close to him. Like this. Well, no wonder he didn't kiss you. What? I've seen a better pucker on a clothes laundry bag. Operator, operator, get me Rochester. Yes, Mr. Benny, I'm ringing for you. Mr. Mr. Benny's re- Mr. Benny's residence, star stage, screen, radio, television, and get your income tax filled up by the man who knows. Never mind that, Rochester. Oh, it's you, boss. Yeah. Did the man from the used car lot come around to buy my car? Yes, sir. Well, did you tell him the price was $1,000? Uh-huh, but he told me that the used car market has dropped some in the last few days. Oh, what did he offer you? Seven fifty. Well, that isn't so bad. You ought to see where the decimal point is. Now, Rochester, stop being on his side. You know as well as I do that the car is worth $1,000. Oh, boss, come now. All right, all right. Well, tell the man I'm not selling it anyway. And come down to the studio and pick me up. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jack. Yeah, but we can't tell him. Now, kids, and Walter, you won't be afraid to talk loud, now, will you? Talk as loud as you can. Don't Listen, worry. Listen, let me ask you a question, Jack. Eliminate, get your lemonade from the lobby. I'm Jack. Jump right into it, huh? Dennis. Yes. Listen, Jack, you've got something after that president. I Where's Dennis? I, I just say yes. I did visit the president. Wait a minute, Jack. All right. Quiet, everybody. Is this taped? We're taping it. And don't be nervous about anything, kids, because it's all be a lot of fun. You said I did visit the wife. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back in a minute to tell you about my television show, which goes on immediately after this program. 
But first, a word to cigarette smokers. Nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And remember... If you want to cut that over once more for me, please, and be a little bit up like they do on nothing, no nothing beats better... Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back in a minute to tell you about my television show, which goes on immediately after this program. But first, a word to cigarette smokers. Nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And remember... Okay, sounded awfully good in there. Everything sounded so good. Okay... Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for listening in, and in just 30 seconds, I'll be doing my television show on the entire CBS network. In the meantime... Oh, Mr. Benny. Yes, Dennis. Hey, what are you doing on your television show? I'm doing my version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I never heard of it. Dennis, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is one of the most famous classics of all time. It's about a man who drinks something which changes his entire personality. And you know who wrote it? Frank Remley. He did not. I'll see you on television, folks, in a few seconds. Do you know what they're...